I'm going to invite all of our younger viewers, our children out there, to move a little closer to the screen at this time for our children's moment. It's good to see everyone today. I am happy to be here today in uh, Pastor Carol's absence. And I brought something with me, and I don't know if you recognize what this is, but I bet a lot of you have played this game before. Have you seen this game? This is called Shoots and Ladders. And it's a game where you move your game piece along the board from one square to the next, and sometimes you land on a square with a ladder. And so you get to go up, and you get ahead of your opponents in the game. But then sometimes you come to a shoot, and when you come to a shoot, you go down the ladder, and you end up back behind your opponents. And so it's kind of a game of ups and downs. Sometimes you think you're moving ahead, and then all of a sudden you go backwards again, and you never know when you're finally going to get up to that very top square, square 100, to win. You know, the time in which we're living right now is a time of a lot of ups and downs. You may have heard me say a few minutes ago that we were planning on opening the church for worship in person in August, and now we're having to push that back. It's kind of like we were going up the ladder, and now we're going down the chute. Some of you may be wondering right now, am I going to go back to school again this fall? Or when I do go back to school, how is that going to be? Am I going to be doing that online, or will it be in person? These are very difficult times. Sometimes it's even hard to know whether we can go and play with our friends or not. Um, you know, in the midst of all of these times that seem uncertain, where we're going up and then we're going down again, we're going forward and we're going backwards, it's important to remember that in the midst of that, God is with us. Today we're going to hear a story about a man named Jacob, and we just heard it read by uh, Miss Mary, and now I'm going to preach on that in a minute. And that story tells us that Jacob saw this ladder going into heaven, and it reminded him that God isn't so far away from our world after all, that God comes to meet us, and that God is with us through all the ups and all the downs. So no matter how you're feeling today, I ask you to remember that God loves you very much, that God is with you, and that God is always there on the ladder pulling you up with God. Let us pray together. Gracious Lord, we know that right now we live in a time of many ups and downs, but we give you thanks that you are with us in all of it. We give you thanks for the story of Jacob and how he sees you on a ladder. And it reminds him that we can meet you wherever we are and that you are with us in all things. Thank you for your love and your care for us, even when things are difficult. It is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. So I don't know what it says about my maturity level that this week, every time I read about this glorious vision of these, this stairway to heaven, right, for Led Zeppelin fans, or this ladder going from earth into the divine realm with the messengers of God going up and down, 
Every time I thought of that wonderful image of Jacob's, all I could think of was the children's game, shoots and ladders. Now, I feel a little better about myself because after a little digging, I, I realize I'm not the only minister that's ever thought this before. And I suspect it's because the game of shoots and ladders is so popular. It's been around for hundreds of years in different forms, and people around the world have played it. Probably everyone watching today has played that game or some form of it at some point, no matter how young or how old you are. But you know, I really like the image of shoots and ladders when it comes to the story of Jacob right now. Because we're kind of in the middle of Jacob's story. Jacob has sort of been climbing the ladders, if you will, of earthly success. In our day and age, we might say he was climbing the ladder of success. He's been going up, up, and up. Although it hasn't always been through very honest means. If you remember last week, we heard how Jacob tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright for a simple bowl of stew. His brother came in from the fields. He was famished and tired. And he said, Jacob, I've got to have some of that red stuff you're making. And Jacob saw that he was vulnerable and said, okay, but give me your birthright first. And Esau, without thinking, said, sure, just give me the food. He tricked his brother out of his birthright. It was good for Jacob, but not so good for Esau. Another story that Pastor Carol referenced last week that we actually haven't heard this time in our Genesis cycle is that a little while later, Jacob and his mother, Rebecca tricked Jacob's father, Isaac, into giving him the older brother's blessing as well. So the blessing that should have been given to Esau as his father was getting old and getting ready to pass away and transfer everything over to his son... It went to Jacob instead. So Jacob had been going up and up and up, but through some dishonest ways. And you could say that right now, this is a place where Jacob has hit the first shoot. He's starting to go down a bit. He is fleeing for his life because his brother is so angry at the way he's been treated, at the things that Jacob has done, that he has vowed to kill Jacob. Now, Jacob's mother says, why don't you go to the ancestral homeland to find a wife right now? And that's not unprecedented in the book of Genesis. Abraham found his wife in their ancestral homeland, as did Jacob's father Isaac. But this journey is different. This journey serves a dual purpose. And possibly the primary purpose is to get Jacob out of town. He's on the road back to his homeland because he's fleeing the wrath of his brother. He's literally in an in-between place. His family's been living in this foreign land that's been promised to them but is not theirs yet. He's heading to the native lands from which they came and he's kind of in this in-between space. This place where he might not have expected to meet God. Also, we have to wonder, was Jacob in an in-between place in his own journey? 
spiritually and, and emotionally. The Bible doesn't say anything about this, but I have to wonder if Jacob, now on the run, is starting to second guess all the ways that he has acted in the past. Maybe the cost of climbing those ladders has been too costly. Now he's leaving what he's known as home behind. His brother is mad at him, and he's not sure what's coming next. There's not a lot here that shows us that Jacob has changed just yet, but we know that Jacob is beginning a journey of wrestling with God. So here, here we have Jacob resting in this in-between place. And he finds a rock because he's getting tired and he sets the rock on the ground and he uses that as a pillow. And he lays down and he puts his head upon this rock and suddenly Jacob has this wonderful dream, this vision of a ladder. It's a ladder that goes from the earthly realm all the way into the heavenly realm. It's as if suddenly the realm of the divine and the realm of earth are not so far apart. And the angels or the messengers of God are scurrying up and down that ladder doing their work. We're so used to hearing the phrase Jacob's ladder or singing about Jacob's ladder that we might not know that really probably the better way to translate it is a stairwell or even better yet, a set of steps. The kind of steps that might have been on the side of a temple in the ancient Near East. So here Jacob envisions this step ladder with these messengers of God and then suddenly Jacob realizes something. Jacob notices that the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac is there with him too. Now some translations say that God is at the top of the stepladder. Others say that God is somewhere in between or in the midst of journeying down those steps. Still others suggest that the best way to think of this appearance of God is that God is right next to Jacob. But what I want you to hear and what's most important here is that it's God that is coming down to meet Jacob. This is all about what God is doing, not about what Jacob has done, not about what Jacob is doing at the moment, potentially about what Jacob is going to be doing, but this is about what God is doing. And God has come to Jacob, a hero and a character that we might not think deserves to meet God. We struggle with this imperfect messenger, and we've been learning about how throughout the book of Genesis, God continues to work with very imperfect people. Thinking back to the game of shoots and ladders for a minute, if you know anything about the history of shoots and ladders, it began in India almost 2,000 years ago. And in its original form, it's a game of snakes and ladders, and it's always been used to teach lessons about the way the world works, common folk wisdom about things like fate, and even in certain traditions, uh, things like karma, the idea that what you do in this life 
might affect what happens to you in the next life in a Hindu sense. As it has been brought into our culture and it was popularized in the 20th century as a children's game, it was also used to teach lessons. It was used to teach sort of simple binary lessons about good behavior and bad behavior. So that if you do something good, you get to go up the ladder and you start to win the game. And if you do something bad, you go down the chute and you have to kind of start over again. Or you have to build your way back up again. So for instance, on the board I showed today, there's a ladder with a little girl at the bottom and she's planting seeds. And then when you climb up the ladder, at the top of the ladder, she is looking at the beautiful flowers that have grown as a result of her work. At the same time, at the top of the board, you see a boy at the top of a chute, and he is grabbing the tail of a cat. And as you go down the chute, you see that at the bottom, the boy is all scratched up because that's not the way you're supposed to treat a cat. It's a simple lesson of good and bad. Good is rewarded, bad doesn't bring reward. The most hopeful thing and the most frustrating thing about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is that this God, Yahweh, is not a God of karma. This is not even a God of simple good and bad that always rewards goodness in ways that we would expect and always punishes badness in ways that we would expect here on earth. This is a God that instead promises to be with imperfect people from generation to generation to generation. This is a God that works with people as they are, that works across the course of time. But you know what? If we just leave it there, if we just say that the message is that God can work even with imperfect people, that leaves us with another dangerous, simple binary. That can kind of leave us thinking, well, God's going to do whatever God's going to do, and I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do, and things will work out in the end. That is not the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This God that meets Jacob on a stepladder not only comes down to Jacob in his imperfect state, but welcomes Jacob to the foot of that stepladder and invites Jacob to begin a journey more fully towards the purposes of God, the purposes of fullness of life and hope and love for all of humanity. So when God, when this God of Jacob promises that Jacob's children will fan out from the north to the south and the east and the west and be like the dust and be a blessing to the world, they don't go about doing that just the way Jacob's been acting. It's going to go from generation to generation and Jacob won't even come close to seeing the fulfillment of the promises of God for God's chosen people or for all of humanity. It's not lost on me that we are living in a time right now 
where we are wrestling with what it means to face head on our past, our heroes, the people that we are told to look up to and that we think of as building us as a people and as who we are. And we're wrestling with what it means to go back and figure out what was good about the past, but also to face up to what was not so good about the past. What it means that we inherit a world from imperfect people, a world that shapes us that we cannot fully escape. And yet also, we have a God that comes down on a stepladder that invites us to dream dreams bigger than our own dreams. God invited Jacob to dream dreams that were bigger than himself. We are invited to do the same in our lives, in our moment. That's what I love about the Bible is it faces the heroes of the biblical story head on, warts and all. It looks for the good and the bad, and it names when things are being done right and when things are being done wrong, and God welcomes each generation to take part in taking another step on that divine ladder towards better personal and social holiness. I want you to know that the ladder throughout Christian history has been seen by mystics as a symbol of what it means to both encounter God and then grow in relationship with God. And so as you reflect on this ladder today, on Jacob's stepladder, I want you to imagine what it is for us to be another generation of Jacob's people. Far, far removed from many things that have happened before, but reflecting on those things and continuing to build out the world for God's purposes and also knowing that God's work will continue even after we are gone. When I was a youth minister, we used to sing a praise song a lot, and it was called Give Us Clean Hands. And it had this phrase in the middle of the bridge, and it said, Oh God, let us be a generation that sees, that sees your face, O God of Jacob. I think that is the call of God to us this morning as God meets us on the stepladder. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. Oh God of Jacob. Amen.